0: What an incredible joy to be gathered as the body of Christ and to sing our praises to our Savior. What a special time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, at Pettisville Missionary, uh, we value missions. Uh, We value that uh, locally right here in Fulton County, uh, nationally and globally. And it's just a a part of who we are and what we do. And we're always um, excited when uh, missionaries who are serving in different places... Uh, Come and visit and update us on on what God is doing. So, uh, we're very privileged this morning to have Otinio and Barbara Adore who are with us today, and they're going to come up and they're just going to update us with what God is doing. So, uh, please give to them a very warm PMC welcome.
1: Thank you, Pastor, and thank you, Church. Good morning. Yeah, we are privileged to partner with, uh, uh, your, with you as a church body, and we just want to say thank you for your partnership and uh, over many, many years. Uh, just a quick introduction. I'll let my wife introduce our family here, and then we'll share a little bit of what God is doing through us as we serve him in northwest Wisconsin among the Somali people.
2: Good morning. Yeah, so our kids keep growing, as you can see. (laughs) Uh, We're kind of at a transition time in the family, and so Marita just graduated from college, and she's looking to get her master's in occupational therapy, maybe, a lot of unknowns. And uh, Kayla is looking into midwifery. She had started at Moody Bible Institute, but she really feels like God would uh, want her to. Um, looking to studies to be a midwife in the Philippines. <laughs> so that, that's another big step. Um, Nate just graduated from high school this year. We're really excited about that. And he's looking to what to do um, with his life, what the next step is, and has few options for that. And Julia's starting high school. So a lot of big changes in our family. And I thank you for your prayers. Uh, as a mom, I'm really good at worrying, <laughs> but um, as we sang this morning, you know, we, we remember his faithfulness and his goodness. He is a good God, and he has given us so much. He has shown us so many ways that he is faithful, and I, I when I put my mind into gear, <laughs> I know I can trust him, but I thank you for your prayers.
1: Yeah, as we serve the Lord, I'm always reminded uh, many times of uh, this verse in uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verses 9. And the Bible says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. When you talk about people from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, I am thinking of us being before the kingdom, before God when He comes, and we will happen from every nation. And one of the nations that is totally close to The gospel is Somalia, but God has brought those people due to circumstances and uh, wars in their country to our backyard, and in our Town, small town called Baron, there is around 800 Somalis, a town of 3,500 people. So, we see there's a lot of uh, these people per capita, and uh, they have two mosques. So, a few months ago, we, you know, if you don't know people, you would be fearful of them. So, we organized a time when local pastors and, so most leaders go together. We are working with a well organization, which is a local organization there. And you can see on the picture there, that's our meeting where we just sat and had a meal and just found out or let people realize that although they worship differently, they worship a different religion and a different God, which is a false religion, but they're just human beings and we can reach them with the gospel. Just, just dispel that fear that of unknown. And then a few months later, the most leaders invited us to the mosque just for discussion. And at first they thought they were going to convert us into Islam. But when we got there, we were able just to share the truth. And I normally distinguish between the truth, God's word, and the Quran, which is their book that they follow. And they don't really like that when I say, let's look at what God's word say and let's look at what your book says. And but it was a privilege just to be able to share with them the truth from God's word. And I tell you what, after maybe an hour, an hour and a half, they got so mad at us that they kicked us out of the mosque because they did not like the truth. The word of God is like a double edged sword. and I am, I believe in not compromising, not just for the sake of friendship and just agreeing with them, but I believe in stating the truth that Jesus Christ is God. He came into this world to save sinners and he died on the cross and rose again. So we're just privileged for that truth, that glory to God, because it's him, you know, he's the one that Matters most, and we just were just vessels being used by him. So, uh, one exciting thing is that I had a privilege of baptizing a Somali man. His name is uh, his former name used to be Ahmed, but he took the Christian name of Daniel during COVID. There was it wasn't possible to meet as a church, so I was able to baptize him in a bathtub. But you know, God be glorified they had uh, witnesses and uh, took pictures and videos so daniel had become a christian and uh, he wanted to be baptized and he wanted me to do that so i thank god that god was able to use me to do that and uh, daniel is an amazing young man he's uh, around 22 years old and he he's been a christian for maybe three three and a half years and within that time he has led around five somalis to Christ, you know, just being able to have Zoom Bible studies with him and motivate him and he's out there sharing the gospel. And he, there he is on a Somali Christian TV and uh, he's being interviewed by my dear friends Shino and Shania Gabo who are based in the UK and just sharing the gospel. Finally, we also reach the Somalis through what we call ESL, and that's just teaching English as a second language, and let my wife share that.
2: Yeah, so we have uh, several um, opportunities um, to offer English classes to our Somali population. We have all kinds. We have some that don't read and write in their own language, so we really need to go back to the basics of just teaching the alphabet sounds, things like that, and some that are more advanced. And so depending on their level, we can have some pretty good discussions, um, but we definitely wanna show them the love of Jesus and we can have some opportunities to um, present, for example, a, a story from the Bible, the Good Samaritan or uh, stories like that, or once we even did um, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 just around Um, Valentine's Day just to show the love, and and it's a love that they don't know, and um, with those adjectives describing it, and they were very, very touched about that. So God gives us some opportunities where we can show them his word, and we just pray that those nuggets of truth would really find a, a place in their heart and that God would continue to speak speak to them. We also have some tutoring in their own homes um, that we can do. And we've been really excited um, to see the number of volunteers grow in our area. Um, when we started, there were just maybe a couple people that were volunteering, and God has really placed on their hearts more and more people. There's maybe 20 to 25 volunteers now that have also the burden of reaching out to our Somali friends. So, we praise God for that. But that's a continued uh, prayer request, too.
1: Yeah. Finally, I just want to thank you again for your partnership, and uh, if you are ever in those neck of woods of northern Wisconsin, feel free to give us a call and stop by and just be used by God. We can serve together with you. Thank you so much. God bless you, and we appreciate you allowing us to come and share with you. Thank you, Pastor.
0: Thank you so much, Tenny and Barbara. Let me uh, just have a quick uh, word of prayer for your family and your ministry. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much uh, for the Odor family. Thank you for um, the way they uh, so balance grace and truth. The way they present the gospel in, in clarity and yet doing so in a way that uh, allows the bridge of friendship and relationships to to get those gospel seeds planted into the hearts of those from Somali that are living in Wisconsin. Thank you for um, the fruits of their labor. Thank you for salvations. Thank you for baptisms. I continue to pray for more of that, Lord Jesus. May your Holy Spirit move in that people group in such a way to draw their hearts to you. Use the O'Dour family by your love and by your grace in mighty ways. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids. uh, We will let you head off to your ministry time. So, elementary kids uh, through grade four, make your way to the right through those double doors and see Renee Flory. And preschool kids can make your way to the left through those doors and you can see Diane Colon. Well my family and I had the opportunity to be on vacation for a couple weeks and it's always good to have that time and uh, I always look forward to that just being with the family and and kind of getting recharged Uh, it's always uh, good to get back I I love coming back home and it's good to be back home again Uh, but one thing for sure I can always count on a prank of some sort when I get back from vacation it's always something. Well this time, I get back into my office and sitting on my desk, dead center, is a John Deere coffee mug. I don't know what I'm gonna do with this. I think I'll I'll put some Case IH pens in it is what I'll do or something. But anyways, I'm just gonna put this over here. Um, I won't mention any names, but the guilty person happens to be related to the piano player. <laughs> All right. Well, just a couple things uh, I, I want to just uh, share uh, before we jump into God's Word. Uh, some some uh, house things uh, here at PMC just in regards to staff. Uh, I just want to take time here this morning to welcome our newest Uh, staff member we have added a part-time tech position and his name is CJ Pierce so CJ I want you to come on up here I want uh, the congregation just to be able to uh, put a name to a face and so uh, CJ and his family they've been a part of PMC for over a year now and CJ comes uh, with uh, a lot of skill in regards to sound and media and video production and all those kinds of things Um, I know you don't know everything yet but you know a whole lot more than I do. So um, we are super excited to have uh, CJ, uh, again, just helping us in this whole area of, of sound, media, live stream, all those things. Again, he is uh, in this uh, assistant role, just uh, helping in all of these areas. So uh, again, just give CJ a warm welcome as he joins PMC staff. Blessings on you, CJ. Then another uh, staff change that I need to communicate with you, which is which is which is harder, is uh, Renee Flory, our children's ministry director, is uh, stepping down after many many years of faithful service. And uh, as lead pastor, I just I, I want to say publicly uh, I, I'm so appreciative of Renee, and and uh, she just has done um, ministry w- with excellence in in so many ways. Uh, has such a genuine love uh, for our PMC kids, uh, done a great job equipping them with God's Word. Uh, she is uh, really, really good at organizing large events, uh, just allowing God's Spirit to, to work. And so she's going to be missed uh, a lot in this role. Uh, she has taken on uh, a new full-time position at Tenora Schools, and so uh, she will be transitioning to that. Uh, she will still be uh in this role through the end of August, uh, but uh, from then on uh, we're gonna be uh, looking for uh, someone to, to fill uh, her shoes. So uh, just simply want to say here this morning, you know, if you or someone you might know who would have interest in serving as our children's ministry director, um, talk to me. Uh, I'd be happy to give you all the ins and outs about that. and uh, and just answer any questions. Uh, Again, we are looking to to fill this position um, and we need to do it uh, rather quickly. Also, uh, we are looking to fill an assistant preschool teacher position. And so uh, that is uh, in the mornings, five days a week with our Christian preschool throughout the school year. And so if that is of interest to you or someone you know, uh, see Diane Colon. Diane Colon is our director and uh, she will handle uh, that part of the job description. So, um, again, just wanted to get that out there. And uh, just, um, again, so thankful for our staff and uh, all that they do here at PMC. Well, uh, while we were on uh, vacation, uh, we had the privilege of, of tuning in uh, via the live stream. And again, this is the, the first time uh, that I have watched our live stream while I've been away from PMC. Uh, obviously, I, I've watched our 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 worship services, you know, just going over things from time to time. But this, uh, over these past two Sundays, was the first time that I was physically away from Pettisville and tuned in to our live stream. And I tell you, I, first of all, was just I, just blown away. You know, because, like, who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago that there would be a day where I could be driving down the road with my family and we are watching the service live on a phone. That's what we were doing and uh, we were singing along with the the worship songs and uh, listened to uh, Reverend Jack Teeple as he shared uh, two Sundays ago, shared his message on the riches in Christ and and also what God is doing in India and Nepal. And then last Sunday, uh, listening to John Siegel uh, preach from John chapter 11, uh, and just that uh, on the theme of love, death, and the glory of God. And so it was just a huge blessing to be able to tune in to those live streams. And so I simply wanna take a, a moment here to encourage you that if you're ever away on a Sunday morning, Please tune in. Tune in to those live stream broadcasts. I tell you, it, it's a great way to keep you connected uh, with what's going on on Sunday mornings. Uh, of course, a live stream is never meant to replace you know our physical presence here uh, on a Sunday morning. You know, you you can't have community, you can't have relationships if you're not here. Um, but if you do happen to be away, if you're on vacation, if you're sick, um, whatever. Tune in, tune in, and again, it's it's just a fantastic way to to stay connected with with the church. Well, let's uh, go ahead this morning and turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, Gospel of John chapter 12. My theme is following Jesus. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, right now we quiet our hearts because we desire to hear from you. We want to know your heart and your mind and your will. We want your spirit to speak direct application into our life. Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your goodness to us and we thank you for our salvation and we thank you that we can follow you and be the teacher this morning as we take in this account in John 12 and look at what it means to truly, genuinely, authentically, passionately follow you pray this all in your name. Amen. So for this morning I do want to focus on Jesus's call on our lives to follow him. What does this mean? What does this look like? Once I choose to believe in Jesus, how do I then live? How do I live my life in a way that honors and glorifies him? And here in John 12, I see three snapshots of following Jesus, three principles, if you will, of of what it means to be a fully committed, fully devoted follower. And the three principles are this, a passion for Jesus, a dying to self, and a courage Over fear about what people think. And for the sermon this morning, I want to use um, the Olympics and the Olympic athletes as an analogy. How many of you have been watching the Summer Olympics in Tokyo? Good. I see a good number of hands. I, I too, I I love, love watching uh, the Olympics. Um, I always. Find them to be very exciting, very inspirational. Uh, These athletes have incredible talent. They also have disciplined themselves and and trained uh, to get to the level where they are. The athletes are excited to, to represent their country and. So you have the the competition between the athletes and competition between nations and it it all makes the Olympics a a very, very special time. Well, with this analogy, I want us to think this morning about these three things that I pointed out. Think of those in, in, in relation to athletes and then compare that to us and our following Jesus. Olympic athletes operate under similar principles, the principles of passion, dying to self, and courage. First of all, they have a passion for their sport. They love doing what they do, whether it's running, swimming, Biking, volleyball, basketball, wrestling, weightlifting, whatever their sport is, they have a passion for it. They do what they do because of their love for the game. Secondly, they practice dying to self. They train extensively. Early, early, early morning practices, late, late evening practices, weight training, cardio training, special diets. So their physical body can be at its absolute best. They deny themselves a lot of self-pleasure for the sake of their sport. And thirdly, they have courage. Courage over fear about what people might think. Alex Felix, very decorated sprinter and runner on the Olympic track field. She had the courage to run at the age of 35. Everybody was telling her she was too old. She shouldn't do it. But she had the courage over the fear of public opinion. Take that analogy with Olympics, and let's talk about following Jesus. We too need passion, we need dying to self, and we need courage over fear. Let's take a look at these three snapshots from John 12. The first comes to us in these first eight verses. It's the account of Mary anointing Jesus with very expensive perfume. The setting is the little town of Bethany. One of the other gospel accounts tells us that everyone is at the house of Simon the leper, Simon the leper who had been healed by Jesus. Also at the house are Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus is kind of the, the guest of honor, if you will, because you know, Jesus had just raised him from the dead. And so there is just a lot of excitement going on in this house. Uh, there is a dinner meal. And so you, you can just imagine the, the joy, the laughter among all of these people. Jesus, his disciples, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Simon, a whole gathering of friends. But following dinner, things get very, very interesting. Mary expresses her love her devotion to Jesus in the most unexpected way. Let's take a look at these verses here in John 12, starting at verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said... Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me." I have to believe this was a very special time for Jesus and his friends. Again, lots of joy, lots of laughter, lots of stories being shared around the table. I have to believe that everybody was talking to Lazarus and asking him how it was when he was in the presence of God for those four days. What was it like when God told him, "Uh, Lazarus, i got to send you back. Jesus is going to raise your physical body from the grave. you got to be there. So you have all of that going on, all of these conversations. And then very unexpectedly, Mary walks to Jesus. She kneels at His feet. She undoes her hair, which would have been very uncustomary in that culture. She takes this very expensive perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet, and then she wipes his feet with her hair. Now I can imagine Things in that house got really, really quiet. I bet you could have heard a pin drop. Because everyone was thinking a lot of the same things. What in the world is she doing? Does she know how much that perfume costs? Wow, oh, This seems a little extravagant. Seems a little too expressive, too, especially since she's a woman. And we know that Judas, he had his opinions and his judgments, and he was willing to blurt them out. Of course, in doing so, he tried to come across as as very noble, um, very compassionate, even very spiritual, trying to sound like he really cares for the down-and-outers. You know, why wasn't this perfume sold? It's worth a year's wages. Think of all the poor people. We could have helped with it. But as John Tells us Judas didn't care for the poor. It was all a show to make himself look spiritual. Judas was a thief. He would dip into the money bag. A little this week, a little bit the following week. He would do it secretly but he would take for himself. Thankfully, one person in the room knew the truth, and Jesus speaks up and defends Mary. He commends her for what she has done, and Jesus corrects every misjudgment, every wrong perception in that room. He honors Mary for her love and her devotion to him. What Mary did at this dinner party shows a genuine passion for Jesus. And when I use this word passion, I'm not using it in the romantic kind of way. There is nothing in these verses which is sexual. Mary is not being flirtatious mary knows that jesus is the messiah she believes in him as the son of god she believes that he will die why does she believe this because she has been listening she has been sitting at the feet of jesus soaking in everything has been saying and so when jesus has been talking about his death it hasn't just went in one ear and out the other she has heard that she knows Jesus' true purpose for coming, which is to seek and to save that which was lost, to give his life as a ransom for many. Mary knows this. And so as God prompted her to do this very lavish expression of worship, she did it with everything she had. She did it out of her love, her passion for Jesus. Again, we use the analogy with the Olympic athletes and they have a great passion for their sport. That passion drives them. That passion is what Allows them to to get their body out of bed early in the morning and to go through all this rigorous training. When their physical body aches and hurts and they don't feel like they can go another step. It's that passion that drives them. Let me ask you this morning, how is your passion for Jesus? Is it where it needs to be? Is knowing Jesus and your relationship with Him, is that your number one desire? Is that desire is that passion? Driving how you live your life? Is your passion for Jesus greater than your career? Is your passion for Jesus greater than your bank account? Is your passion for Jesus greater than your hobbies, your positions? Is your passion for Jesus even greater than your marriage and your family? When it comes to following Jesus, our love and our devotion and our passion for Him needs to be number one. The next snapshot from John 12. Comes after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. There were some Greeks who had, had come for the Passover. They really wanted to see Jesus, and so they ran into some of Jesus' disciples and they asked, Can we see Jesus? And the disciples went to Jesus, and this was Jesus' response. Let's look at verses 23 through 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I want you to think for a moment the timing in which Jesus spoke these words. Remember, he has just ridden into Jerusalem. The entire Passover crowd has hailed him as their Messiah. They were praising him. They were shouting, they were singing, they were dancing. And of course, with the term of Messiah, there was the the political connotations with it, and so there was this this excitement that... Time has come. Our Messiah is going to rescue us from Rome. He's going to overthrow them. And we're going to live in freedom. Israel is going to be, once again, a prominent nation in the world. And so, the crowd is expecting a political speech. They're expecting Jesus to lay out the plan, the plan for the military, the plan for the weapons, the strategy for victory. That's what everyone is expecting. But Jesus doesn't give the speech that everyone anticipated. Instead, he talks about death. Talks about how a seed can't reproduce and multiply unless it, first of all, goes into the ground. And it was a perfect illustration for Jesus. Because Jesus would die on the cross, his body would be buried in the ground, and like a seed which is buried in the ground, it sprouts to new life, and then the harvest. And so Jesus would die, be buried. He would rise again, again coming to new life, and then he would produce this great harvest of believers in his kingdom. His next statement might have even been more puzzling. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I'm sure the people were scratching their head on this one. But the point Jesus is making is the need to die to self. He's telling the people, you really can't follow me. You really can't experience my abundant life until you practice this dying to self, putting to death the self-centeredness, the pride, the greed, the lies, the selfishness. Think again of Olympic athletes. What do they do to be successful? Well, first of all, they have talent. They're not going to get to that level without talent, so that part's a given. But another reason they reach that high level of athletics is because of how they train, because of how they so often deny themselves things that their body may want or may crave you know their body may crave rest but they keep pushing pushing hard their their body may crave certain foods certain foods that that would be you know a hindrance to being at that peak performance and so they discipline themselves they focus Some of them even stay off of social media so they don't get distracted. Sydney McLaughlin, the winner of the 400-meter women hurdle race, totally off social media was one of the ways that she could stay focused. Well, the same is true in following Jesus. We must die to self this always isn't easy we're human we have desires and some of those desires are influenced by our selfishness getting what we want getting what we like getting what we prefer getting what will benefit us the most or make us look good but Jesus's kingdom is not like the world's in fact it's the opposite The first will be last, and the last will be first. The poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of God. Storing up treasures here on earth will rust and rot away. Treasures in heaven will be for eternity. In following Jesus, we die to self. We have to be not concerned about who gets the recognition when something good happens. We have to die to self, and that we're not comparing God's blessings to us versus God's blessings to a friend or a neighbor or someone else in the church family. Dying to self means dying to selfishness, self-centeredness, pride, greed, lust, hate, worry. And when we die to self, then we are ready to truly live. The third and final snapshot of following Jesus is in verses 42 and 43. This section, John is writing about the unbelief of the people, and he refers to some prophecies in the Old Testament, which ties in. But then he says something very, very interesting in 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities, believed in Jesus. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. All throughout Jesus' ministry, you had people who would believe and those who did not believe. Here John introduces us to maybe a third category, if you will, of those who were choosing to believe and yet doing so in secret, not confessing their faith publicly not telling anybody, simply believing in their heart, but that's as far as they would go. They had a lot of fear. Fear of what others might think. Fear of being kicked out of the synagogue. Fear of the unknown. Again, they really liked this Jesus, they were convinced in their mind that He was the Son of God. But crossing that line publicly was too hard. John says they loved the glory of men more than the glory of God. I want to be a little careful at this point. I put myself in their shoes. I'm not sure either what I would do. I would hope I'd be one that would cross the line, but you've got to remember, many of these who are in the Sanhedrin were well, deeply, deeply established in Judaism. This was all new, Jesus and the Messiah and what he was teaching. And while I believe that the moment we come to faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven, we are redeemed, our our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and all of those things that Scripture tells us happens when we believe, courage is one of those things that may take time. You may not be given just this instantaneous full dosage of courage. It might take some growth, some maturity. We know that when Jesus died, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they went public. They crossed the line. So this is an important principle for us in following Jesus, that we have courage over fear of what others may think. We can't worry about those kinds of things. The example that came to my mind just in regards to Olympics and Olympic athletes was um, the well-known gymnast uh, championship, gold medalist, uh, Simone Biles. Uh, you who've been following Olympics know her story. I mean, she was predicted to win multiple gold medals. She was at the absolute peak of her career. But as you know, things didn't go well on the vault. And she pulled out. Pulled out. She talked about having the twisties, Talking about her own mental health, being mentally prepared to do all of these things so she didn't end up injured. And as you know, if you've been following, she did return for the balance beam event. And that took a lot of courage because everybody was telling her not to do it. But her courage was greater than public opinion. So let's ask ourselves, how are we doing with this one? Are we demonstrating courage over fear? Or are we letting public opinion dictate how we live? Here in Midwest America, it seems, you know, very reasonable to be men and women of faith. There isn't persecution that comes when we say that we believe in Jesus. But there's also this kind of unwritten expectation, you know, that as Christians, we don't get too radical. We don't get too expressive. We don't get too far out there. You know, we don't want to be a Jesus freak. Because everybody will start talking about us. But look at Mary. If she would have had that mindset, if she would have said, what I want to do is too lavish, too expressive, too out there, too radical, think what we would be missing. Mary had a courage, courage over fear, of what all of those men in the room would think about her. I know many of you here this morning are Jesus followers. If there's anyone here who is not, I just urge you come to that point of faith in Christ, receive his gift of grace and salvation. But many of you are followers of Christ. And so I want you to ask yourself. Ask yourself these questions from these 3 snapshots from John 12. How is my passion for Jesus, do I desire him more than anything else in this world? Secondly, am I dying to self? Am I doing that daily? Am I putting to death my self-centeredness, my selfishness, my pride? And then thirdly, do I have courage over fear? Am I willing to live for Jesus regardless of what anyone might say or might think? Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, these questions are in our mind, and only we can answer those ourselves. So I pray in this moment and throughout the day and this coming week, that we would keep coming back to these snapshots here in John 12, of having that passion for you, dying to self and courage over fear. I pray for each one who was here this morning Each teenager, each young adult, each adult, each senior citizen, the children, the preschoolers, the toddlers, the infants, Lord, you know each one of us by name, and you have called us to follow you. May we do so with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. All for the sake of your name and your glory. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I pray that uh, you experience uh, God's grace and goodness throughout this day and throughout this week. Uh, Please come back tonight at 530 and know that I love you all. Be blessed.